to the Cock and Bull Podcast. This is, uh, I, I tell things at my brother. Nathan, how you doing? Uh, good. We are not that many in for you to be screwing up the intro that badly. That was, that, that was bad. You know, I say one take, get it done. You know, that's my mantra. And uh, I, I, I don't think this podcast is an exception. First draft, last draft, get it out the door. Mm-hmm. You said it. Uh, anything, anything you wanted to discuss before we just jump straight into it? Um, I, no, because if I discuss anything, won't that date this, and therefore it'll ruin the illusion that these are all coming in, in some sort of flow? Like, if I start talking about dabbing and sweet bottle, you know, water bottle flips, like, no, everyone will know that we're doing this from the past? In 1942, during the Second World War, British that- civil engineer Guy Monsell designed a small series of naval fortresses for the English. What? Okay, whoa, okay, we're jumping, we're, we're jumping off the deep end right away. Uh, so one, yay, because now we get to deal with Nazis, and that's always entertaining for me, so thank you for that. Uh, two, uh, naval fortresses. Mm-hmm. Stationed in the like, ocean. Yeah, no, I, no, I understand the, the, the <laughs> sentences, but my curiosity is, like, isn't that where the Council of Evil that, like, plotted against the super friends wasn't that basically their their thing oh yeah those were normally in like a naval fortress a swamp fortress a, a subterranean fortress normally a fortress yeah it's not a polite term that's used no fortress does not sound no doesn't sound good uh stationed in the ocean these platforms were designed with two massive concrete pillars on top of which would be a big concrete platform it's a very basic design to say the least uh, it's kind of like how a kid draws stonehenge i guess that's less like a fortress and more like a water porch. <clears throat> to install these beasts out to sea, uh, they were constructed on a barge, and the barge was then floated out to the destination, and then they would sink the barge, and then once it rested on the ocean floor, all you had were your two big pillars sticking out, and then they would just lay a platform on top there of it. And there has then f- to be a better way! <laughs> what would you well, What would you suggest? There ha- can't you just, like, push it off the side? There has to be a more good lord. The, just Push it the off the so- side. I don't know. I mean, sink the boat can't be. If that's your best bet, we need to get a plan B. So you're saying you're just you're concerned for like the lifespan of the barge. It's just it's that expendable. It just I mean, it's World War Two. If I remember correctly, they weren't they didn't have like a surplus of stuff. Like there was rationing and the the. I don't know, stiff upper lip and all that whatnot. Chip, chip, the blitz. Like, I don't feel like you have the resources to just be sinking barges willy-nilly to make your sea porches. You raise a pretty fair point, uh, which is why probably only four of these were built. It's a very costly process for the barges. On the platform, running over the two, uh, military bases were then installed with anti-aircraft guns, uh, you know, uh, crews upwards of 100 people. And then on top of the platform, uh, running between the two, they would install a military base with anti-aircraft guns uh, set up to try and intercept units both by air and by sea. Now, while the bases were very few in nature, we're going to be focusing on one called the HM Fort Ruffs. Now, Fort Ruffs was towed about seven miles from Essex before it was set on a sandbar and ready to operate. There were almost 300 men working on the platform, which w- the platform, by the way, is like 170 by 90 feet, which... That's, like, not a lot of space for 300 dudes to hang out, so I'm sure that was cool. No, no. The dude-per-foot ratio is very high. <laughs> oh, by the way, I forgot to mention, this is, uh, this is the first one that will not be about a doctor. Oh! Oh, really? There wasn't a doctor involved in the sea porches. You don't say. 
You're being very critical of the Royal Navy as far as the sea porches go, and I think you owe them a little more I'm credit just, than that. I mean, I just can't see how, like, I, this is legitimately, like, StarCraft strategy. Like, I'm building, we're going to build turrets out way out bef- in the ocean before they can get to us so we can get on them. Like, this doesn't make sense militarily. <laughs> This particular station, the HM Fort Ruffs, was in charge of scaring away Germans who were laying mines off the coast of England. <laughs> like a scarecrow with 300 dudes. <laughs> it's a scare German. What did it have? Like a sense of humor and decent tasting food? Like what, what did they, how did they scare them away? <laughs> the base was occupied all the way through World War II, which ended... In May of 1945, after Adolf Hitler realized that invading several world powers at once was a bit of a whoopsie move. In the 11 years that followed the war, the English used the base for a number of odd jobs with a smaller operating staff until it was finally abandoned in 1956. Buoys marked the HM Fort Ruffs surrounded the platform. The only reminder that it was once occupied by any forces. Yeah, so here's the thing, though. Like, they built it in 42. Mm Mm-hmm. And the war went for three years from that point to the end. And then it was occupied for another ten. What Germans were they scaring? What were they doing for those ten years? What were 300 dudes packed into a one-bedroom apartment doing for ten years? Let's jump back to August 29th, 1921, when Roy Bates was born in Ealing, London. Now, Roy Bates served in the British Army during World War II with a very extensive career, ranging from campaigns in Italy to North Africa. And despite numerous injuries, snake bites, frostbite, and even a bout of malaria, Bates survived the war and returned to England as a fisherman. More precisely, Bates was a post-war hustler that ran boats full of meat, fish, and rubber into a Britain that was still crippled by the war. Now, in the early 1960s, when the BBC airwaves were dominated by major record labels, illegal homebrewed operations called pirate radio stations began popping up across the nation to give the people what they wanted, better music. Now, Bates, ever the people's hero, set his eyes on one of these aforementioned naval fortresses as a base for his own pirate radio station. Now, at first, he went for the naval fort Knock John, another one of these platforms that had been abandoned after the war. There, Bates ran a very popular radio station called Essex Radio. So, unfortunately, though not expected, it was quickly fined 100 pounds, uh, which is roughly 1,700 pounds today, Uh, by the government for committing broadcast violations within UK jurisdiction. So facing insufficient funds, the radio station closed on Christmas Day, 1966. It is of my opinion, by the way, that if your radio station is 1,700 pounds away from foreclosing, you probably shouldn't be running a radio station. I mean, how much money is pounds, really? And also, back then, what they they weren't running radio for money. What would I mean? What was that? I assume it was just the BBC and nothing else. That's a good point. I don't know what the revenue stream is. I think I don't understand basic economics, though. So I really just assume that all of that is magic. Bates had originally picked the platform, believing that it was outside of their jurisdiction in the first place. All was not lost, though. Another one of these platforms, Fort Ruffs was technically in international waters, Bates realized. Now, seeing his opportunity, Bates and his 15-year-old son, Michael, went to claim the platform. They were surprised. Oh, like you do. They were surprised. Did they have flags? They, nope, they might have. They might have had flags. It might have also just been an old veteran and his son saying, get the fuck off the platform. Uh, They were surprised, by the way, to see that somebody had already taken it. A group of squatters running their own station called Radio City. But we're not just talking about any old asshole, Nathan. We're talking about Roy Snakebites Bates, 
Bates and his son Michael, armed and dangerous, stormed the platform by surprise and evicted the squatters. Despite having the equipment left over from Radio Essex, though, the Bates family decided not to use the platform as a pirate radio station after all. See, by the time they had occupied the platform, the UK had passed a law prohibiting any broadcasts from the ocean, no matter how far you remove yourself from the coast. Naturally, Bates decided to turn the platform into his own country, where rules don't apply. Whoa, 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 whoa. You cannot just decide to turn something into a country. I don't think that's how countries work. Well, Nathan, you're going to say that, but the rest of this story is going to beg to differ. Enter Sealand. Now, since the platform no. was on international waters and had, no. been, <laughs> had been long since abandoned by the UK military, Roy's attorney assured him that he could claim it. He did, ex- did. Did Roy find his attorney on British Craigslist? What the hell? How is that? No, there is no. No, I cannot go to an abandoned like. There's a Chevy Nova that's been abandoned in my neighborhood for a couple of years. If I post up near that thing, they're not gonna let me claim it as sovereign territory. You're not talking to the right attorneys, I don't think. <laughs> Apparently, this is the coolest attorney I've ever heard of. Uh, blah blah blah. He did exactly that. He laid claim to the platform and called it Sealand. There were those that wanted to test this claim, though, such as a man named Ronan O'Rahilly of another pirate radio station, Radio Carolyn. Uh, just wanted to throw it out, by the way. I'm going to fuck up a few more names. Here's to it. I mean, the guy's name was Ronan. Is he a goddamn barbarian? <laughs> this guy looks like he was a rejected beetle. He's not a very, uh, not a very oh, attractive man. That's far less exciting. He and a small group of men came to take the country of Sealand by force. Uh, they were, however, repelled when Roy and Michael used Molotovs and guns to uh, scare their boats away. What the fuck? Is this pirate radio or a goddamn rifle? What is happening here? It Ore- started as a radio station. O'Reilly and his goons fled from Sealand, never to return. In 1968, the Bates family suffered another attack. Now, this one came in the form of several British engineers, as any good attack should start. Aboard yeah, their small, yeah, the engineers are notorious. Aboard their small Royal Navy boat, the men had come to service one of the navigational buoys that still floated around Sealand, which were there to warn other ships that uh, Fort Ruffs is there, you know, in case you're, like, riding in fog. Giant sea porch ahead. Roy's son, Michael, was aboard the platform that day with his sister. Now, after already trespassing into Sealand's nautical territory, the engineers had the nerve to begin catcalling at this young woman, which Michael called obscene gestures. I'm not entirely sure what that means, but... In English, I'm pretty sure that means that, like, they they didn't, like, wave a handkerchief at her or put their (laughs) pinky up or something. (laughs) Not wishing to allow these men to insult Sealand's integrity, Michael began to shoot at them. What integrity does a place called Sealand? He was he was one random adjective away from b- being SeaWorld, which would have been really great if this was the original story of SeaWorld, by the way. I would have been much more excited. They were warning shots, Michael says, but bullets are bullets, and the engineers don't get paid enough to deal with 16-year-olds claiming that their dad owns a country. The engineers left an engineer-shaped cloud and fled back to England. Can you imagine how entitled those kids must have been? I mean, I deal... I mean, I deal with kids whose parents, like, run a company and think they're fancy shit. You're, you're dad, my dad owns a country. Like, that's, that's some high-level shit right there. Oh, not to mention, he was there the day that they, like, stormed the platform, so he might as well be, like, Prince Michael. Um, so the engineers tattled to the government, and, uh, when the Bates family wasn't aboard the platform, they currently, 
you know, lived in England, so they were quickly called to court for a firearms violation. The father and son answered the call, and so begins the greatest landmark case in Sealand history. The judge's conclusion on the case was surprising, to say the least. After much deliberation and the unearthing of many statues dating back as far as the 1700s, the judge ruled that, quote, This is a swashbuckling incident, perhaps more akin to the time of Sir Francis Drake. But it is my judgment that the UK courts have no jurisdiction. So Roy and Michael get off without consequence, and this was apparently Sealand's first de facto recognition as a micronation. Or so they like to say. I'm pretty sure it took Haiti longer to get legal recognition than a dude on a porch in the middle of the ocean. Wanting to make sure that something like this never happened again, the Royal Navy demolished every remaining sea fortress. I just, I just like... They were like, all what, right. Did they, did they put a boat under it and then sink the boat again? How? What? What did they do? <laughs> no, no. What they, they floated a helicopter and then just crashed the helicopter, bringing the whole thing oh, down. Oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> Michael recalled that after they destroyed one of the forts visible on the horizon, helicopters and tugboats buzzed by the platform. Engineers waved out the window and shouted the words, You're next. Oh, Jesus. Roy the engineers in this story are pretty vicious. They're vicious. I mean, look, I don't know anything about the English, frankly, but all I know is their engineers are not to be fucked with. They will catcall your sister and threaten you with, like, gang violence. Like, I thought they were the nerds. Have I misunderstood engineering this whole time? I don't know. These engineers seem to be more like Joe Pesci with a wrench. Just kind of... It's really, like, pretty hardcore. Roy decided to take his moment in the spotlight and run buck-fucking-wild with it. So he declared that he and his wife would be the princess and prince of the Principality of Sealand. Principalities, as it turns out, are much less paperwork when you're starting your own micronation. I also, oh, good to know! I also want to point out... Is they, it like filing LLC paperwork? Yep, yep. They, they, oh, why did they think to go for prince and prince? Like, why not go King Roy? Yeah, who's the king? If he's a prince, what doesn't that insin- insinuate that there's someone higher on the chain than him? What's going on here? I don't get it. There, like, there is nobody higher than him. He's just, he's it's if, prince and princess. They just started. If you're with making that. up your own titles, go big or go home. <laughs> Duke Supreme of Seaport, Overlord, I don't know, whatever. Emperor Roy of Seaport. Yes. By, by 1975, the Bates family had started ramping up the fun at Sealand. <laughs> they were developing their own flag. Uh, which, by the way, is a half red and half black with a white stripe running diagonally between the two. Uh, Roy's wife proposed the Micronation's motto, E Mare Libertas, or From the Sea, Freedom. They even developed a coat of arms, which depicts two merlions, lion half on top. Their flag... Wait, wait what? Uh, Whoa, no. Do not blow past merlion. I said lion half on top. What further questions do you have? Uh, you know what? Actually, that's a fairly good point. Uh, two merlions surrounding their flag on a shield... Uh, and there is a knight's helm above the shield, uh, with a gauntlet rising out of the helmet with many jagged arrows clutched in its fist. I got a new game to propose. It's called Describe Any Family Crest, like, in ten seconds or less. Jesus. Utter bullshit. Okay. We have, we have a minor issue that I don't think we've crossed here. So they've, they've declared themselves as a, as a nation, which is all fine and dandy. I've now accepted that, and it's, it's depressing how quickly I've adjusted to that being reality. <laughs> Most nations, as I understand it, have, like, an economy and, like, a, like trade. Yeah. And like, some give and take. They're a 300—they're a, they're a 
a studio apartment in the middle of the ocean. They have no natural resources. They have nothing to trade. How the fuck? No, oh, Nathan. Couldn't England just couldn't England just put boats around them and wait for them all to starve to death? They don't have anything. They could, but it's believed that the only reason they didn't do anything about this is because they kind of don't want the press that the Royal Navy just went and shot five people living on a sea porch. Obviously, they need to get in touch with the ATF because they're really good at that. And by the way, you know, I want to correct you. They did start generating an economy. They began selling their own passports and stamps. Uh, they Wait, wait. No, but pa- you can't sell passports. That, no, that implies a nation. This is circular. You're, what are you selling a passport to? Passport to Sealand. No, but the, what is there? What is Sealand? It's a, it's a sea porch. What more questions do you have? <laughs> You can talk to Roy Bates on it. I don't know. Apparently. Are they even doing the radio thing anymore? Like, no. Have we lost the plot that entirely? No, no. They got the platform and he was like, I don't actually want to do radio anymore. <laughs> he just got bored with the idea. I don't know what his game is. He got the porch and he was like, I, I want to make it a country. I don't know. Radio like, bores I've me. I've seen dictate. Like, I get dictators. Like, take a country, use its resources, be king. Like, what is he going to do? Be the king of Sealand? Well, Prince, I mean, he's I, humble. Let's not, let's not throw King around. He's not even going to do that. He's bad at that. Sealand also developed its own national anthem, without lyrics, I'm afraid, because that would have been great. Uh, oh, dear it even developed its own currency, the sea dollar Otherwise known as the missed okay. opportunity of the fucking century, you are Sealand. Why not call it the sand dollar? You're in the ocean. This is, he's, he's awful at naming. His PR department is garbage. That much we can be assured of. He looked at his platform. He was like, eh, what do we call the nation? Sea land. We're in the sea. By that logic, if you were on, if, if he was just on mainland England and he was the guy in charge of naming it, it would just be called land land. Mm-hmm. Basically. Which I think is why he never got land land off the ground. It just wasn't catchy enough. Ugh. In 1978, the Bates family received word from a Dutch diamond merchant inviting them to meet in Austria where they could discuss a business proposition. Roy and his wife, Joan, accepted the invitation, while Michael, now in his mid-twenties, remained at Sealand to maintain the platform. I like the quote, maintain the platform. What are you doing to it? Keep it from sinking! What are you you doing? (laughs) When Roy arrived in Austria, he was surprised to find that there were no diamond merchants waiting for him, Dutch or otherwise. What might have come as a greater shock, though, was when Roy couldn't get a hold of Michael. He phoned his son... And he couldn't get an answer. He phoned some nearby fishermen, hoping that they might have some answer as to what happened to his son. Hold, hold, hold on now. Hold uh-huh. on now. We need to, we need to correct it. I need, I need a little, little help here. Yep. What year is it? It's 1978. Okay, cool. I distinctly remember, like, in 1995, when I couldn't call my parents if they weren't, like, at the house immediately. How is he calling random fishermen in the middle of the goddamn English Channel in 1978? Uh, yellow pages? Um... I don't know, but with what? Were they on boats? Did he call them on the... Is there a boat phone? Maybe there's boat phones, I don't know. In 1978... Did they run phone lines? Did they run phone lines to the sea porch? I... Look, I wish I had an answer for that. And were those phone lines not immediately cut? This is... There's so many holes! So he phones the nearby fishermen, and they're like, nope. I have no idea what happened to your son. They did, however, remember that there was a helicopter seen hovering over Sealand. They're gonna, they're gonna sink slash raise it slash sink it again. Meanwhile, back at Sealand, a group of Dutch, Austrian, and German mercenaries had boarded the platform. 
What is this, an international Rainbow Six coalition? What the fuck's going on here? Michael, who had allowed the group's helicopter to land, was taken hostage by the men and thrown into a cell without food or water. The group was led by a German lawyer named Alexander Achenbach, who had declared himself the Prime Minister of Sealand. Via speedboats, <laughs> jet skis, a helicopter, and many guns, Sealand had been captured. Oh no, this is amazing! You made up a fake country and then had it stolen from you! <laughs> now, if we've learned anything by this point, it is that you do not fuck with old Snakebite's baits and his concrete platform, so Roy set to work planning a counterattack. He was interrupted when he learned that his son had been deposited in the Netherlands. They went what? And, they went and found him wandering around with no ID. Uh, but that didn't stop him from finding his way what? to his father. He didn't have his he didn't have his Sealand passport. He didn't they must have taken it from him, those fucking barbarians. Uh it is it is reported that his father was extremely upset with him for allowing the helicopter to land in the first place. What was he supposed to do? How do you stop a helicopter from landing? I don't know. Throw rocks at it? Shoot at it. Thus far, their plan for every opposition is shoot at it and throw Molotovs at it. Roy and Michael hired out the assistance of a fellow helicopter pilot to assist them in the fight for Sealand. I'm loving every single sentence of this. Every single bit of it. Just tell me, is Airwolf there? Is it Airwolf? (laughs) Better be Airwolf. This pilot, I should mention, worked on the James Bond franchise. Oh, of course he did! It's Airwolf! The trio flew against the wind to mask the sound of their approach and chose to attack at daybreak. As the helicopter quickly swooped onto the platform, Roy and Michael slid down a pair of ropes and dropped to the platform. Roy was armed with a sawed-off... Uh-huh. What?! Whoa! Okay, I just needed you to know that in my head right now, the Flight of the Valkyries is playing the whole time. Like, I'm just imagining the helicopter coming over the horizon at dawn. Roy's got, like, a Bowie knife between his teeth. And da, 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 da. Like, that's just, that's just happening for me. He I just s- needed you to get in, get in the mental headspace with me. Royce, I'm, I'm in the same headspace. Roy slid down the rope, armed with a sawed-off shotgun, and Michael with a pistol. Though in the process, in the process of sliding down, Michael dropped his pistol, accidentally firing it, uh, and the single accidental shot was enough to scare the already surprised mercenaries, and they just threw their weapons down and gave up immediately. These are the worst mercenaries ever! I mean, seriously though, they had jet skis and guns, they ran a pretty successful assault. I was imagining, like, the Hans Gruber team from Die Hard, and literally, like, the first sign of anything, they're like, fuck this shit, and drop their guns. What the fuck? If you want to uh, imagine Alexander Achenbach as... Uh, Alan Rickman, oh, that's perfectly no, fine. it's Alan Rickman. It's been Alan Rickman the whole time. It was all, As soon as you said German lawyer named Alexander Rickenbacker, I was all... It was Alan Rickman the whole time. R.I.P. Alan Rickman. The captors were taken... R.I.P. Alan Rickman. The captors were taken hostage in a sweet hostage reversal move that only Roy Bates could pull off. And Achenbach and his goons were charged with treason against Sealand. <laughs> oh, God. What kind of court system does Sealand have? Uh, the would-be pirates were held at a bond of 75,000 German marks, the equivalent of $35,000 or 200... Uh, how, how many C-bucks? God, I wish I knew how many C-bucks. I really want to know the exchange rate of C-dollars to, say, to so dollars. Somebody needs to get us a currency converter for C-bucks. Uh, when the German government said no, they sent an ambassador to Britain asking them to intervene. But the British government said... Yeah, we already tried that. Uh, we've 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 got a strict uh, don't fucking deal with them policy regarding Sealand. You you missed the memo, sir. <laughs> we've already tried them before. Uh, they throw Molotovs at people. They're kind of barbarians on a sea porch. You shouldn't have sent Alan Rickman in. 
This was clearly more of a like a, a high-level inside job kind of deal. In what must have been the most degrading move ever committed by a German ambassador, they went to Sealand directly to negotiate the release. Achenbach and the mercenaries were released at the mercy of Bates, dropping the discussion of ransom for whatever reason. Once back home, the invaders decided to take the bullshit to the third degree and declared themselves the Sealand Rebel Government, a government in exile no! that rightfully no! deserved the micronation. It is their right, Nathan. They own it. Ow! What? Poss- okay, you know what? This is bad because now I am full on Roy's side. How How do you have... Cla- Roy showed up and claimed it. And what possible universe are you claiming any sovereignty to this floating porch in the middle of the ocean? Achenbach declared himself the prime minister of Sealand. But the poor fool didn't understand that Sealand was a principality, which does not allow for prime ministers. <laughs> you fool! <laughs> you, you picked the wrong fake name! How dare you! Achenbach you would... Re- he would remain steadfast in his ownership of Steeland by loudly crying about it for many years until his death. Though he did leave some guy named Johannes Seeger in his name. Uh, I learned some of this by visiting the website of the Sealand rebel government, but it's all Wait, written whoa. in... whoa! <laughs> yeah? Stop! Stop! Because the fact that there's a website for the Sealand rebel government insinuates that this continues for longer than, I don't know, what was it, on GeoCities? At least into the early 90s. The entire website is written in German, and it does not translate perfectly to English by my attempts. Uh, But, quote, The primary task of the Principality of Sealand is to give people access to free energy, the Vril energy, through Vril technology. Be aware that only a few reach this point. In the following chapters, enter a wonderful world with energizing possibilities. Signed, the responsible staff of the Principality of Sealand. It, it also oh, looks, it looks like no. uh, GeoCities and Angel Fire had a baby. This is not good. Wait, now we've got real energy in, in get involved. This has taken a whole nother turn. As far as I can tell, Mr. Seeger is using the Sealand name to sell eco-friendly flashlights. Um, this is apparently a long-running battle for them, uh, judging by the quote, Our previous efforts to offer this technology to all states of the world have so far failed for reasons that we cannot and do not want to go into here. Oh my god. Something about that- I just can't- Wait, he wants to use the Sealand name to- Like, he's trying to tap into that great Sealand SEO? What the fuck? I didn't know this existed 22 minutes ago. What is he trying to use it for? Something about to- It makes me really sad when I read that line, like, there's so many reasons this hasn't worked that we can't go into it here. It's like, I feel bad that they went from rebel government to selling really bad eco-friendly flashlights. It's like if ISIS lost the war and became a blockbuster that was going bankrupt. (laughs) Oh my god, I was trying to think of a good example, and that was it, that was it, that was there, that, nice, nice work. Let's jump ahead to 1982, to the Falcons War. Why? No! Why? That's three years! How have they been surviving on this porch in the ocean for three years? We're jumping ahead to 1982, to the Falklands War, where Argentina fought against the United Kingdom over two coastal territories in the South Atlantic Ocean. Meanwhile... Is one of them Sealand? Uh, no, no, I'm afraid not. Meanwhile... Uh, Roy was approached by the Argentinian government with an offer to buy the platform. Uh, This way, the Argentinians said they could bring the fight right to Britain's doorstep. Uh, Bates broke another government's heart that day and said no. Oh, he good pay. So, so he still got he still got some affinity for the old motherland. Oh, is yeah. it that? Is it that he likes England, or is it that he just really wouldn't give up Sealand to anybody? I'm pretty sure that's got to be what it is. I think if anything, he would have agreed to it. He's like, all right, 
600,000 pounds on the table, and also we gotta fight. Bare knuckles. Send me a president. <laughs> Let's go toe-to-toe on I'm the Roy, seaport. I'm Roy goddamn Bates. I negotiate with high-level dignitaries. <laughs> I've been bit by snakes. In 1997, every passport given out by the Principality of Sealand was revoked due to nearly 150,000 of them being in circulation. I'm not sure what, what the... the I- fuck?! I'm not sure what the idea is there. First of all, many points to address. First of all, we're in 1997. In 1997, Toy Story came out. Also, Toy Story was extant and people had Sealand passports. 150,000 of them were out, by the way. Uh, that's another issue to address. Also, yes! he decided that was too many. And he was like, all right, bring them back. No, no, no. So we're starting fresh. What the fuck? You can't just do it. The reason, but also, if 150,000 people showed up to Sealand, it would sink. It doesn't. It can't. It can't handle that many dudes. Not- 300 was a very high dude per foot ratio earlier. How are you getting 150,000 people in there? Uh, to my knowledge, you may purchase a new post 1997 passport through Sealand's website, sealandgov.org. Oh, in- no, well, oh, no, yeah, I was about to say, because they didn't get a .gov. There's no universe <laughs> in which they got a .gov. In, two- no. in 2006, let's jump forward another what? nine years. No, stop it. How- Roy's dead at this point, right? How is this still going on? Roy is not dead yet. Roy is not dead what? yet. In 2006, a fire ravaged the deck of Sealand, but was extinguished what? and repaired. With, with no- all the water? They're very How high off the water. On fire? You're you surrounded by water. You can't expect them to lower buckets 300 feet and bring them back up. It takes too much time. I can't expect any of this. In 2007, after oh, by the way, we're now like 12 years post Toy Story. If, since I'm assuming that's your Bro, measurement. I graduated high school. <laughs> In 2007, this is not right. After Sweden forced the Pirate Bay to relocate its base of operations, the pirating site attempted to purchase Sealand. The offer was declined. Oh my god, Roy! (laughs) For fuck's sake, man! We could have had a pirate radio station, what originally was a pirate radio station, be the hub of Pirate Bay. It would have been the best, like, just, ugh, and you fucking ruined it. God damn it. Once, I I assume he- Still Prince? I think he, he's still Prince. He has yet to declare himself Emperor. Oh my god. God. For the next, how is he alive? For the, how are they getting supplies? <laughs> no, no, you gotta understand. They don't live like full time on sea land. Like they, they still like what? they have like mansions back in England. Sealand's I a think. vacation house, pretty much. <laughs> oh my god! But it's sort of like a Game I... of Thrones thing. There must always be a Stark at Winterfell. There's always got to be a Bates at Sealand. <laughs> For the next ten years, uh, Sealand thought that if it was gonna be sold, then Sealand would be setting the price. Through the Spanish real estate agency Inmo Naranja, the micronation was put up for grabs at 750 million euros, which is roughly 906 million dollars. Oh my god. Can you believe? Can you believe nobody took the offer? Honestly? No, I can't. Honest to god, I am shocked. Are you kidding me? This was in what? 2000 what? 2007. 2007? No. Did you... Were you around for the housing crisis? That would have been the best, like, example of the housing crisis. Like, just somebody on TV. I don't know what happened. I spent $900 million on this porch in the ocean. And now I have a subprime mortgage. Please help me, Obama. Like, that... I can absolutely picture that. Coming up... I'm shocked it didn't happen. Coming up next on Flip This House. I bought a... I bought a concrete sea porch. 
And, uh... I bought a micronation. <laughs> I bought 900 million. Yeah. Um, oh, man. I'm looking, to get, looking to break even on the flip. <laughs> can you turn it into a rental? You can make a kick-ass Airbnb out of this motherfucker. I guarantee you. Oh, my God. Let's make this happen. By the way, uh, it's kind of sad to think that they put it up for, like, for for auction and Achenbach didn't buy it. Like maybe his flashlight business just wasn't working. No, he's no Achenbach can't be alive too. He's dead. He's got to be. We dead. killed off Achenbach. They all should be dead. How did anyone survive this? The amount of acid these motherfuckers would have had to take for this to make any goddamn sense. I assume they were all dead in like the early eighties. By this point, though, I mean Roy starts to get a little beyond his years. Uh, he's he's pretty old by this point um uh, yeah and, and so prince michael kind of assumes the uh the the leadership role he, wait, wait. so prince michael assumes leadership from prince roy like what they all just princes yep everybody's a prince <laughs> at no a point prince, or prince could have just showed up and taken over this island just been like nah <laughs> with the offer retracted Sealand went back to business as usual, selling passports, lordships, and other merchandise to whoever was eccentric enough to buy it. What merchandise? What te- what other merchandise? They what? It's like a t-shirt. Are there tea cozies? There's oh, there's got to be tea cozies. There's like you know uh, t-shirts that just have like a link that's like Wikipedia.org backslash Sealand. Look this shit up. Uh, I went to I went to Sealand and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. Yep. Yep, 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 yep. I took over a micronation and all I got was this lousy t-shirt. <laughs> the platform formerly known as HM Fort Ruffs. <sighs> I don't I don't even know anymore. On October 9th, 2012, old snakebite malaria man Bates left this earthly realm at the age of 91. His wife Joan followed him on March 15th, 2016, which was also my 20th birthday. Uh, the original prince and princess of Sealand may be gone. But Prince Michael carries the torch. And Nathan, to close out this story, I thought I might celebrate 50 years of Sealand with a quote from Roy uh, to say that I may die young, I may die old, but I won't die of boredom. That was how I would have liked to end it, but instead I'm just going to end it with a quote from the usurper Johannes Seeger, which is, uh, would somebody buy my fucking flashlights? (laughs) What is happening? Sealand is uh, still still kicking today. Like I said, you can visit their their website, sealandgov.org. <sighs> oh my god, it exists! Yep, Michael, I think, is like into his 60s at this point. Uh, I can... Celebrating 50 years of independence! Mm-hmm, yeah, yeah. Oh my Christ! 50 years of Sealand. Oh my god. Dude, we can buy a lordship. We... Nathan, do you think we should? Is that like how we celebrate kicking this podcast off? Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. Stop. Stop. This is happening. Just just bear with me. Uh-huh. Uh, lots of people have taken advantage of the Sealand titles to help them achieve their long-held aspiration of claiming a royal title, with Ed Sheeran himself holding the rank of Baron of Sealand since 2012. Do we? Do you get to choose which title you take? Because I read that you um, get like a lordship, but if if... Ed Sheeran is the Baron of Sealand. Becoming a Lord or Lady means obtaining the lowest rank of peerage, and such titles can be yours for just twenty-nine pounds. God, what does it take for us to be Nathan? How much does it cost for us to both become Dukes of Sealand? Well, if you want to become a Baron, 
You up that to 59 pounds, then you can be a baron. For the uh, price of a triple-A video game, you could be the Baron of yes, Sealand. you could be a Baron. I, I can, you can be a count for the, the, I guess, countly sum of 200 pounds. <laughs> what the fuck? You could be a Duke for 500 fucking pounds. Buy a moped or become Duke of Sealand, your pick. Does that, have, does that title have to be recognized? I don't understand. They're trying. What? Sealand population 2017. I, it, it cannot be. 27. There's 27 goddamn people. Oh. Christ almighty. Christ. I remember I was looking this up and I found footage of. Uh, uh, it was, the video was called like Skate Across a Nation. Red Bull hosted like a, a BMX tournament on Sealand. Ah! I'm shocked. I'm, I'm quite shocked they didn't get like Evil Knievel to jump Sealand or something like that. <laughs> You saw him like jump you... Snake River Canyon. Now watch <laughs> Evil Knievel jump the smallest country in history. I'm going to jump this motherfucker. <laughs> just just dr- get him drunk. You could do it sideways. Long ways it would be difficult, but sideways you could pull that off. Nathan, side- sideways going. Usain Bolt could take a hop, skip, and a jump over sea land. I'm just saying. Fonzie jumped a shark. You could. The least he could do is jump sea land. Nathan, I'm glad you could join me for this one. Our first non-doctor oh. episode. Yeah. Oh, what a what a doozy. God. Uh, I want to thank my sources for this. You can check them at cockandbullblog.wordpress.com. I swear to God, I'm looking for a website to to host a cheaper domain. Currently, the only runner up I've got is is my friend a ghost.com, which is about two bucks right now. I'm debating if I want to buy it. Oh Lord. Why? I don't. I. I. If you've made it this long, God bless you. <laughs> Thanks for listening, everybody. Call my name and make a wish. Take a rest, cause it's the best thing to leave your lips, is that your best? I'm not-